we're in our series called Words from the Mountain, and what we've been doing is we've been journeying around this mountain to these different sections, and we're following Jesus as he's just going to these different places, and we arrive at each section of the mountain, and when we get there, Jesus is teaching us something new about himself, about us, about how we should live, about heaven and earth and eternity, and what this all means for us, and if in, in this hope that we can hold on to, in this grace, and how we should now live. And today, if you're going to understand our verses, you have to understand something first. That heaven and earth are made for each other, but heaven and earth have been ripped apart. And our verses today are about earth just desperately wanting heaven to come back. And then it, what we see is that heaven begins to give earth a hug. And it's a hug that's saying heaven has come. And it's the very hope of humanity. But here's the strange thing about us. The strange thing about you, about me, about humanity is that at the same time we're longing for this hug like we want it. At the same time, it scares us. At the same time, we're running from it. At the same time, we're rebelling from this idea of heaven coming to earth. And we fight it. And the hug, it, it scares us the same way like a little child orphan girl finally meeting her adopted parents for the first time who's terrified as they want to embrace her. And that's like us with God. And what's interesting also is that what I'd like you to realize is that's also us when we pray. We're kind of awkwardly, shyly going to God in prayer. And we're unsure of God. And there's, here's the reason why. We're under the influence of things that we don't see and we cannot understand. And there is more than what meets the eye in the, on, upon this earth and strange things are happening, and we're pulled in all these different directions, and our hearts are completely confused. And so we come to God like this little orphan girl who's unsure about her new parents and if she can trust them, and if she should trust them, or if she should run the other way. And I think a lot of times that's exactly what prayer feels like for us. And so because we're unsure of all this and because we're not sure if we trust God or should trust him, what happens is when we come to God and pray with him, it becomes like a wrestling match. It becomes this wrestling of wills. And that's exactly what God wants, though. He wants us to wrestle it out. You're going to see what I mean throughout. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And, and here's where we've arrived today. So we've been taking this prayer that we're going to read that's called the Lord's Prayer. We've been taking it line by line, and what we're doing today is we're going to take the whole entire first section, all of it leading up to this line on earth as it is in heaven, and what you're going to see is that every single line, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, it's all saying on earth as it is in heaven. It's the link. On earth as it is in heaven is pointing to all three of those parts, his glory, his kingdom, and his will. So let me read these verses for you. Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. Pray then like this, Jesus says. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, what we've been doing is forming a definition of what prayer actually is. In this section of the mountain that we're in, Jesus is pushing in on us to say, your faith is not as authentic as you think it is. So he's pressing in on us, have an authentic faith, and begin to pray in such a way that's actually authentic, that's actually real, that's not you going through the motions, it's not you putting on some mask before you go to God, but you're coming to God just as you are. And so here is the definition of prayer for today as we're forming this complete definition. Prayer is coming to God like he is your father and then wrestling with him until you authentically want his glory, his kingdom, and his will to come. So let me say it again because it's important. Prayer is you coming to God and wrestling it out like he is your father in heaven until then, finally he changes you to authentically want his glory, you to want his glory, not your glory, his kingdom, not your kingdom, and his will and not your will. So let me ask you these, some, let me ask you these questions. Do you want to know what you need most in life more than anything else? Do you want to know the answer to that question? Do you want to know the thing that will flood purpose into your life, this ultimate purpose that will make you feel like you have meaning in everything that you do? The answer is yes to these questions. The third is, do you want to know what it's like to know the warm embrace of a God who is doing good to you? It's all in this prayer. His glory is what you need more than anything else in your life, whether you realize it or not. It's the Bible screaming that to you. You need to see his glory. Second is his kingdom coming is what's going to give you the purpose in your life that makes you feel like you have meaning, like you're waking up and you have something to do, and it's really important. And third, his will makes you realize that you are actually in the comfort, loving arms of a God who you can trust more than you can even trust yourself. So what I want to do is I'm going to take these three and I'm going to unpack them very quickly. And then we're going to get to the wrestling. So first, his glory. There's nothing that you need more than to see the ecstasy of his glory coming into your life. I mean, the real glory of God. It's called the Shekinah glory coming into your life. There's nothing more that your kids need than that. There's nothing more that your kids need from you than for you to go see the glory of God because it's going to change you and make you a better father and a better mother. You know the feeling that you get when you find the perfect job finally, or you get a raise, or you watch your kid hit a home run, or you get a bunch of likes on your social media post. I know you're not supposed to like it, but I know you do like it. And you wouldn't tell anybody that, but really you love it when those likes start popping up. Because it's validation for you, and you feel really good about yourself when that happens. Or, the, on your wedding day, when you hear the words, I do, forever. Or, when married people do what they do, the pleasures of what married people do, you know, in the bedroom. Or, that feeling you get when you grow old. I don't know this yet, but... You look over at your spouse as they're sleeping, and you look beyond them, and there's a picture of your entire family with your kids, your grandkids, and your great-grandkids. And you can say, man, there's so much love in that picture. You know that feeling. Or the feeling of being on 
just this open road and there's freedom before you, or the feeling of standing on a mountain and looking up at the stars and saying, wow, look at all of this, but yet I have a God who's created all this, yet he knows me personally and intimately. Or just this feeling of overwhelming happiness that you don't even know why is there and you can't really explain it. Those are shadows of the ecstasy of what it is like for you to finally walk into the day when heaven and earth meet together and your King Christ is upon his throne and you see his scars that he's wearing for all of eternity because of what he's done for you on the cross and you see this and the angels are singing and you look around and you say, this is what I've been searching for my whole life. Finally, I'm here. And guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? You can have glimmers of that now. That's what this Christian life is. It's to catch these little glimmers of the glory of God just bursting through this chasm that's between heaven and earth and you see and you catch these glimpses of the glory of God. And I want you to know that when you catch those glimmers and you really hold on to them, here's what happens. Something happens. It makes everything else in this earth so much better, so much more pleasurable. It makes you be able to enjoy your spouse more, your children more, your job more. It makes everything way more enjoyable. Why? Why does the glory of God, why is it so important that it makes everything more enjoyable? And here's why. Because God is the link between all of these things. So here's how I want you to think about this. Think about everything that you enjoy. Okay, it's like, a, it's like think of a painting, but it's this line in a painting, and it's everything that you enjoy in your life without God. It's like you're looking at a line without it connected to everything else. And then, once the glory of God comes, all these lines begin to be connected, and then the glory of God adds color to all of it. And what you realize is that now you have this new lens through which to see things, because the glory of God is shining down upon it all. I'm not, I'm not talking about that God is in this table. I'm not talking about that God is in the stuff. I'm talking about the glory of God coming and allowing you to see things as they're meant to be seen. So when you pray, hallowed be thy name, that is a prayer that you are asking for God's glory to shine upon everything so you could see it as it really is and enjoy it as you're meant to enjoy it. Otherwise, what you do is you start taking all of these things and you start making them the God of your life and then you can't enjoy them at all because you're going to them to try to get something from them that only God could give you. And that glory is not the same as the glory of God. So the prayer is, God, color everything in my life with your glory. Let me see how you have, see you through all of this. Okay, that's the first. The second is his kingdom. So when you pray, heaven and earth, like let heaven come to the earth, this becomes the link through which the kingdom of God rains down. And as this happens, the kingdom of God rains down. It begins to flood purpose into your life. So I want you to understand this. We are called to bring the kingdom of God here. That is your job as a Christian. And when you do that, you are building something now that lasts for eternity. You will be able to look in eternity and look at things that have been built in your lifetime here and now and say, wow, that lasted and it's lasting forever because I did it to build up the kingdom of God here and now. But if you don't do that, then what you build crumbles. You take it into the grave with you, it turns to dust, and you rise up out of that grave as a Christian, but that everything is left there. But if you will just seek to build the kingdom of God, then those things will last forever. 
I think that this could be the greatest cure for depression there has ever been or ever will be. Because, let me tell you something. So, so the ancient Greeks, do you know what they thought torture is like? They said this is, would be so torturous for someone to roll a rock up a hill and then let it come back down and roll it back up and let it come back down. This meaningless work that drains life from you. And when you do something that's meaningless, you say, I have no purpose, and then you get depressed. But if you know that everything that you do here and now will echo on into eternity, it floods meaning into your life, and it gives you a purpose. And that purpose, you hold on to that, and it lets you have joy because you're doing the things that you're meant to do. There's a line from the movie Gladiator where this Roman general, they're about to go into battle, and he says, he's rallying them up, and he says, I want to scream it, but I can't, because I would scare you, but... He says, let what we do today echo on into eternity. And it's this moment where you think, man, what they're about to do is so, so important. And the Christian, let me tell you what you get to do. You get to wake up in the morning, your alarm clock goes off, and you're like, ah, oh, oh, this is too early. So you hit the snooze way too many times. But then finally, your feet hit the floor. And you can say to yourself, you don't need some Roman general telling you, let what we do today echo on to eternity because you already know that you're going out and you're going to build the kingdom of God here and now. And when you do that, the things that you do will echo on into eternity. You don't need the movie Gladiator. It's already true of you. You just build the kingdom of God. And then the third part, God's will. This part of prayer. Now, God's will throughout the Bible means many different things. And here in this context, this is about the goodness of God in heaven coming down upon the earth. This is about you knowing that you have a God that you can trust. His will is good and you can trust him and so you go to him. And it's to go to him in such a way that you say, God, you know how I should live way better than I do. So I'm going to listen to you and how I should live and not myself. And I'm going to trust you more than I trust myself. You're putting yourself under his teaching, under his guidance, under his tutelage, under his wisdom, and you're learning from him like a father. Now, you know when your kids do dumb things? I know your kids don't do dumb things. They're so smart. But you know when they do sometimes? And you say, why, do you just, why don't you just listen to me? I'm, I know. Like, I know what's good for you. Why don't you just listen to me? When you pray, your will be done, this is Part of this prayer is saying, God, I'm going to listen to you because I realize that I'm doing some really dumb things. And in two years from now, I'm going to look at the things that I'm doing and I'm going to say, wow, I cannot believe I did that. Like, I cannot believe I left my cell phone on in the middle of the church service. <laughs> you're going to look back and you're going to say, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? And, but if you would just say, God, I'm going to listen to you, I'm going to do the things that you're telling me to do. It's you trusting his will. But you have to do it authentically. Like you have to really believe that I trust you, God. And so you realize he's a good father and you go to him like the orphan. Instead of not trusting the hug, you trust him and you say, teach me now how to live. So that's to pray for his kingdom and his glory and his will to come on earth as is in heaven. Now, let me ask you this question. 
Why is it so important for you to pray those prayers, that prayer? My guess is that you, you, if you were honest, you probably aren't praying like you ought to be. So why is it so important? Because prayer changes you. Remember, we said prayer is about the wrestling of wills. It is wrestling it out with God. And so prayer is to come to God and to be honest about what's really going on in your heart. And you come to God and you say, God, you know, I know that like, if I'm a real Christian, I'm supposed to want your glory to come, but I'm telling you right now, God, I don't want it. I want my glory. I want my success. I want it to be about me. So you're honest with God, but that's what a real Christian does. Or you come to God and you say, God, I don't care about your kingdom if I'm being honest with you. Like, I do, but I don't. I think I like my kingdom better. In fact, there's a lot of decisions that you're making that I do not agree with, so I'm just going to go ahead and take over here because I don't trust your will. you got to do that in your prayer. To pray healthy and authentically is to be honest with God and then to go and wrestle it out with him and say, God, show me because I'm not convinced right now. Show me why it's the best thing for you to be glorified. Show me why it's the best thing for your kingdom to come and show me why it's the best thing for your will to be done because I'm not getting it. And it's about being honest and saying, God, I just don't trust you. And many of you are feeling super refreshed by this right now, and many of you are feeling very uncomfortable about this idea of wrestling with God. And I said this a couple weeks ago, so if you're feeling uncomfortable, let me help you a bit. Let me show you that you're missing something. Do you know the name that God gives his people in the Old Testament? Israel. Do you know what the word Israel means? Wrestles with God. And also, do you know in the Old Testament, many times people's names are associated with their destinies? And so here's what that means. God realizes that humanity will continue to wrestle with him. God is saying, be bold enough to come and wrestle it out with me, but be humble, and I promise you that I will win. And it will be the best thing for you that he wins. And he's always ready to wrestle it out with you. He's sitting on the mat waiting. And he's saying, you walk out on the mat, and you, and you got to be honest, and you got to go like this. You're walking out, and you're saying, God, I know, but look, I want my glory. I want my kingdom, and I want my will. To be honest with God is what prayer is. And you go out on the mat and you have a wrestling match until he convinces you that the best thing for you is his glory and his kingdom and his will, not yours. And so what happens is this wrestling match goes on and on and on until God, some, God does something and shows you that you have lost. And it's the best thing for you and so he embraces you and he says, I won, but I'm going to tell you this is so good for you because I know how to bring heaven to earth way better than you do. So you lose the match, but guess what? You're in his arms. He's embracing you, and your heart is beginning to be bent towards him because you entered prayer in this wrestling match, and your heart was not bent towards him. You had to force yourself in. You didn't want to be there, but you're saying, oh, i got to get there, i got to get there, so you get there. And then the wrestling match starts, and he's not letting go of you until your heart begins to be bent towards him. And you realize it's good for you to lose. 
And then once you're wrestling with him, you realize something about him, that he is your father. And he wrestled it out with you in such a way that he wouldn't hurt you too bad. Now, if, if you've ever seen two kids, same size, wrestling it out, you see a kid like pick up the other kid like this, like that kid that's been picked up is about to get hurt really bad. Do you know why? Because the other kid isn't strong enough to drop him in such a way or slam him in such a way that it doesn't hurt. I slam my kids all the time. They love it and they're laughing hysterically because I'm stronger than they are. I can hold up their weight and so I could wrestle it out with them and they have a great time because I'm doing it in such a way where they're not going to get hurt too bad. And so what happens, and they laugh and they love it, and guess what? Look at what happens. If you go and wrestle it out with God, you are, you're on the mat, and eventually you start laughing with him. And you realize something. You've been changed and you love him again. And you authentically want him to be glorified. And you authentically want his kingdom to come. And you authentically want his will to be done. See what? See, you, you had to go. You didn't want to go, but you forced yourself to go. And then forcing yourself to go, it became a wrestling match. But eventually, that wrestling match turned to something very different. It turned to worship. It turned to you realizing, I can trust God. I can tr- this is a God who loves me very much. Prayer makes you who you really are, a child of God. You realize this, you're a child of God, but you're entering into a wrestling match, not acting like one, not being like one, not wanting God like you should, like a child. And so he continues to go after you until you finally say, okay, I do want you. And as someone who struggles to pray, me, just like you, I'm becoming more convinced that we really don't know how to pray very well because we go to God trying to get ourselves all fixed up first. And I know you're doing it. I do it, you do it. So here's what we say. Man, look at my life. I gotta go pray. I should pray. I don't want to pray because there's something going on in my life. And so here's what we think. I gotta get myself all cleaned up and all fixed up. And once I do, and I do a few good things right, then I can go into the presence of God. And then I can begin praying to him. And what you're failing to realize is that it's the prayer that changes you. Don't try to change yourself before you go to the prayer. Go to him And let him change you in prayer. I bet your prayer life looks remarkably graceless. And you've avoided going to God because you're trying to get yourself all cleaned up. Because you don't think that you can go to God and say to God, God, I don't want to spend time with you right now. I'm here, but I don't want to be here. So then you never go. And then you never wrestle it out, and then you're never changed. Please do not think that you need to go to God all perfect and fixed up before you go to him. Because if you think that way, you're never going to go to him. Just go to him. And be like, God, this is what you got. And just let him get to work. You got to realize that God has done everything that is required to 
buy and purchase your forgiveness so that you don't come to God worrying about your sin anymore. It's already been dealt with on the cross. So you don't go, because if you go to God with your sin, he's going to have to deal with it. But if your sin has already been dealt with on the cross, then you go to him and he doesn't have to deal with your sin. It's already been dealt with. So guess what he does? He deals with you and he starts changing you and transforming you. Without grace, you lose that wrestling match completely, but with grace, you always win because you go to God, and God will do everything it's needed and required, that's needed and required to change you. Prayer is not primarily you changing God, but God changing you. Prayer is not primarily you changing God, but God changing you. See, and we go and we wrestle it out with God, and here's something that else that you don't realize. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's, not, that's been wrestling with you, actually. Remember, there's stuff here that we don't understand upon this earth. There's things that we cannot see that are doing weird things to us that we don't understand. Spiritually speaking, stuff is happening, and we have no idea what it is. And these things start whispering lies to you about God, about yourself, about other people, about people sitting next to you, about your friends, about your coworkers, and then the next thing you know, you have made everyone around you a villain in your life because you're not seeing them clearly because there are things whispering to you, things that are not true. And you know who you're making the biggest villain of all? God. This world wants to trick you into thinking that he is not for you. And so you go, though, and you wrestle it out with God. You go and you wrestle it out with God, and here's what he does. He starts pulling all the lies off of you that have been, you've been falling for. He starts pulling off the darkness that has gripped you and the fear that is ruling you and these false identities that you have taken on, he takes them off of you. He wrestles with those things too. And you go to God and you wrestle him and he starts taking everything off that's been messing with you. And then, when you finally start praying and allowing these things to happen, then heaven begins to come to the earth. And it's not the way you would expect it. And you shouldn't expect it to be the way that you expected it. Take what Jesus says about the kingdom of God. He says it's like a little mustard seed. And it starts small as the smallest of seeds and sprouts up to the largest garden plant. Things are not happening in our timeline. It's happening on God's timeline. Or just look at how God came into the world. He didn't come like Superman. He came carrying humility. Nobody knew who the heck he was, and he was God the whole time amongst us. So don't be surprised when God starts answering your prayers in ways that you didn't expect him to answer. Look, there's hints everywhere throughout the Bible that God does not answer prayers of his people the way that they would expect. And not only that, but these prayers that you're praying, when you say, God, bring your glory, bring your kingdom, bring your will, guess what? He's going to answer them not only in you, but through you. And that should scare you a bit. See, we pray for God's 
glory to come and God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done. And then what we realize is he begins to prepare us to go out and live in such a way that brings glory to his name and brings his kingdom. It's like the story in the Lord of the Rings where this little hobbit Frodo, little Frodo man, and Frodo man's like, oh, there's this evil ring. What do I do? And this wizard Gandalf, if you guys don't know Lord of the Rings, I sound like such a dork right now. And so this wizard Gandalf is like, you have to take this over here so that we can destroy the ring. And so he sets off on this journey and he does it. But he was just faithful. He didn't know what he had. He didn't know how dangerous it was, but he was faithful in saying yes one time, and it set off a series of events where he changed the world, and that's what prayer is. You don't realize what you're doing when you go and pray and wrestle it out with God, but that's the first step in God setting off a series of events where his glory comes and his kingdom comes, and his world, this world is going to be changed because you went and prayed. Not the way you'd expect Earlier in, this, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus calls us the light of the world in a city set on a hill. And what he says is, your works, the things that you do in this world will give glory to my name. And our problem is we don't really believe that's a great thing. We don't really believe that our kids need to know the glory of God. We, we feel like they need to fit in. We need to feel like they need to get like, all the grades right and do all their homework And meanwhile, we're ignoring the fact that they need the glory of God more than anything else. We do the same thing with our spouses. We do the same thing with us. We do the same things everywhere because we don't realize the glory of God is really everything we're searching for. Prayer changes you so that you might go and change the world. Prayer changes you so that you might be a better husband and a better wife. Prayer changes you so that you might be a better friend and a better parent. Prayer changes you so that you might be a better worker in whatever your job is. Prayer makes you into a better friend. Prayer makes you, prayer changes this church. Do you know, do you know that we have a long-term vision And that long-term vision is to take the entire Treasure Coast. So there's this area between Fort Pierce and West Palm. It's essentially the Treasure Coast. And it's the number one area in the nation of people who have never once stepped foot into church. We aim to change that number. And in order to do that, It's long-term vision, way in the future. In order to do that, you know what we need to do today? You know what we need to do this year? We need to learn to love the Word and love prayer. And it's essential. So we're this church that we've been planted year one. We were watered year two. Year three, we were fighting to get out to the surface. Year four, we are out. Like we're this plant, we're out. The glory of God is shining down upon us. And as it does, you know, we're, we're, we're doing it. How's the glory of God shining down upon us? We're reading the word and we're in prayer. That's what's required this year. It's everything for us. If we don't do this, if we wait till next year to do that, or the next year to do that, then we're not moving forward. Word and prayer. And you know how I know that if you get in word and prayer, do you know how I know that it will change the city in 15 years from now? Because the Bible promises us that it will happen. 2 Corinthians 3, we are told that as we behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, we will be transformed from one degree of glory to another. 
And as that happens, the world around us sees the glory of God more and his kingdom comes more. It, that change might not look like what, what, what you're thinking in your mind right now, but it doesn't matter because what God's will is, is good. And again, this chapter from where our name comes from, this is the people who have been rescued by God who will rebuild the ruined cities of the world. And you know, you live around here and you say, well, it doesn't seem so bad around here. I'm going to tell you people are so lonely around here. It's potentially one of the most dangerous places to live because everything seems good. And when everything seems good, we become stale, stagnant, smelly, moldy. But if we'll go, if we'll go to God in word and prayer, His will will begin to come. And maybe perhaps God will start with a tiny little church that's three years old and 15 years from now will be a giant oak. And God wants you to be part of this. Not for you to sit back and watch it happen, but to seek His glory and His kingdom and have purpose flood into your life. It's what you're made for. So, it's the same thing with prayer. You're like, okay, that sounds cool, but I know what's going to happen. It's the same thing that happens before I go pray. I'm about to go pray, and I'm like, oh, I don't really want to do this, and I'm all messed up. And God, it's just, I'll get to you later, God. Or like, ah, this, what am I doing here? And then it just feels fake and phony. Like, I, you know that feeling before you go and pray, and you're like, I just don't feel real right now. You know what I'm talking about, right? Maybe, maybe not. Well, anyways, this is what happens to me. I'm like, God, I'm, I'm coming to you right now, but I don't want to come, and I feel all weird about it. And now I feel like, man, I just need to come and tell him and just confess, God, I don't want to be with you right now, so you're going to have to change me because I need you to change me. So help me be changed. I believe, but help my unbelief. So you want to do this. Here, here's what you got to do. Matthew 7. Just a chapter later. Jesus gives this analogy, or this metaphor. He says, look, <laughs> essentially he calls all fathers evil. And he says, but if your father who is evil knows how to give you a good gift, how much more does your father in heaven know how to give you a good gift? And what is the good gift that we need to ask for? It's his glory and his kingdom to come. And so you pray that prayer, and he will give you that gift, because he's promised. And you know how you know that this can happen? Because this is all of our problem. It's a faith problem. Do you know how you know that this can happen? Because Jesus says, our Father in heaven. He doesn't say, my Father. He doesn't say, a Father. He says, our Father, meaning God is your Father because of what Christ did on the cross that secured your adoption as sons and daughters into the heavenly kingdom of God. He made it. Let me just end with this. He made it so that you can wrestle with God, bearing no sin or shame, because when he went to the cross, he bore your sin and shame. And when he cried out to God, God was silent. And so he says, God, why have you forsaken me? And that all happened so that when we cry out to God, he will come running like a father 
as fast as he can. And then we want to wrestle it out with him. He says, all right, let's give it a go. And he holds us on that mat until we've been changed. Because Jesus got silence in death on the cross, we get adoption. And so now we can go and wrestle it out. And when we wrestle it out, we're changed. And when we're changed, then we go and do the work to change the world around us. But you got to start off first just getting out on the mat. So just go. Just go. Just go on the mat. With all of your wrong motives and all the stuff that's wrong with you and all the reasons that you want to run from God, just get out on the mat. Just go on the mat. Just go on the mat. Go on the mat. And when you think he's not a good father, go on the mat. He'll prove you wrong. When you don't want his kingdom, go out on the mat. When you don't want his glory, go out on the mat. When you feel like your life is falling apart, go out on the mat. When you feel like you can't trust God, go out on the mat. And just keep going out on the mat. And every time you stay there long enough, he's going to prove you wrong. That you can trust him. But you've got to go on the mat. Father, help us to be willing to come to you, relying on grace, knowing that we can come out to you with all the stuff that's wrong with us and say, God, I want my glory, I want my kingdom, I want my will, and you will wrestle us until we realize that you and your glory and your kingdom and your will are far greater. And God, as we sing this song, I pray that we would sing it in such a way that we would be united together as people who come to you all weird and messed up and not wanting the things that we should want from you and our motives are all weird, but we're coming to you together as one, singing to you, knowing that all of our sin has been dealt with so we can come to you and all the messiness that we are and all the sin that we have, we can still come. So we thank you, Jesus, that you have made this possible. We thank you that we can sing to you without wondering if you hear words from a sinner, but knowing that you do hear these words that we sing to you. And that you take delight in them as a son or a daughter would as you watch a son or daughter singing like a father would. And God, when we can't see you and we think that you're so far gone, help us to wrestle out on that mat with you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.